let's have a word of prayer one more time and get, get into uh, John 12. Lord willing, we'll finish this. I don't know. We'll try. <laughs> we'll do our best to get into 13 next week. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you again for your word. I thank you that you use. Um, I, I, I've just been thinking a lot about what Paul says about we have this treasure in earthen vessels, common clay pots. Uh, it was a common material then, like plastic is now. There's nothing special about the container, but what it holds is a priceless treasure. And the excellency of the power may be of you and not of us. And uh, I'm very keenly aware of that. And I um, stand up here or, or leave Thursday Bible study in John. Um, <clears throat> just so keenly aware of the fact that that um, it's easy, perhaps, to substitute um, music or emotional thrills of various kinds uh, for the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, but the genuine work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God is something that that only you can do. And, uh, and it's what we want because it brings permanent and lasting change. And uh, I pray that you would do that uh, this morning in our hearts, both here and uh, this morning in the service and in the communion tonight as well. Bless uh, this day. And, and, and as Larry prayed as well, we recognize that you have your work and your people all over. And so we pray your blessing on your word as it goes out, wherever it is in the world today. As believers have met some already, some meeting now, some will be meeting. Just open your word, do your work by your spirit for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 12, uh, finishing up this first section of John, right, which is his public ministry. That's why I've titled the notes. That way, conclusion of Jesus' ministry to the Jews. Um, uh, just kind of what I'm trying to express there is just the finishing of his ministry to the nation as, as, as a public ministry. Um, he's going to continue to minister. Obviously, we, you know, we have uh, 13 through 21 still to go, right? Uh, and, 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 but it's it's going to shift significantly to sort of a private ministry, and the other gospels have a follow a similar pattern as well, right? So as the nation is officially rejecting him uh, and his message, um, it's it's coming to a close, and so we've we've seen that. So for for example, um, in verse thirty six. Um, The last part of verse 36, well, the verse says, while, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. That's sort of his last warning, you know, is the light is still here, but it's quickly disappearing. When Jesus said these things, he departed and hid himself from them, right? And you can almost hear the closing door on this public ministry. The opportunity for the nation has, has passed. Um, and then, so John has dealt with, and this is our outline now, uh, point number one is rejection of Jesus by the Jews has been God's plan all along. So the question is, how can the nation miss its Messiah, right? And that's what we've been dealing with. And we've taken some time to, to do a, a fairly, certainly not an intensive study of uh, 
Romans 9 through 11, but just you might say a flyover. So we've, we've spent a couple of sessions in that where Paul <clears throat> takes that same question that John poses to us there in verse 37. It's not really poses a question, but it's a problem, you might say. A problem that he poses in verse 37, which is, though he had done so many signs among them, they still did not believe, right? So how could how can they get it wrong, right? The very people who should have gotten it right were the ones who were crying, we will not have this man to reign over us, crucify him, right? And pushing for that. So how could that happen? And so John deals with it real briefly. He does so by quoting from uh, two parts of Isaiah, right? First, he quotes from chapter, a snippet from chapter 53, that would be verse 38. And then in verse 40, he also quotes from chapter 6 of Isaiah. Uh, so we took some time also because Paul touches on that same uh, part of Isaiah as well, but he expands it greatly. He gives us a lot more information in Romans 9 through 11 as to what God is doing with the nation. And, and essentially, God has put Israel on pause, you might say, okay? So his, his prophetic calendar, uh, what I call his prophetic calendar, his, his working with the nation, his um, unfolding of revelation, and then also his work to fulfill the <coughs> covenants that he gave to their forefathers has been paused, okay, because... God the Father has chosen Jesus to be the one through whom all of those promises will be fulfilled for the nation, right? He is the greater son of David. He's the seed of Abraham who's going to bless the nations. He's all of that. It, it's all fulfilled in him. And when they said no to that, they can't have the fulfillment of the promises any other way. So the Lord effectively pauses his work with them, and this is what Paul says in Romans, and then is working with the Gentiles. So that the invitation has gone out now to the Gentiles, uh, to us, right? Now, people of all nations. And he's working with his church now. Paul calls it the times of the Gentiles. He says that the nation has experienced a hardening in part until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Not to say that God is not saving any Jewish people. Thank the Lord he is, right? And, and when Nick was here last time, we were talking about some of the, even there's a, just right down the road is a, is a messianic congregation that meets, right? So, so there are Jews. Uh, John, obviously, uh, is one himself, or Apostle Paul as well. So God is not done working with all Jewish people. It's just as a nation, he has paused that, okay? Um, by the way, and I think that's also the key to understanding um, the Lord... God always has, seems to have multiple purposes when he does things, right? It's multidimensional, uh, even in your own life, you know. Uh, there's many lessons to learn when you're going through a difficulty. Um, and, 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 but but with, the, with the tribulation period, I think my understanding of that has really opened up when I, when I realized that that is... <coughs> I think it's in Jeremiah where it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Okay, and and that's I think a clue to us that it's that while yes God is judging the whole world system. Okay, He will do that, and He I believe that He will bring many many. I think it'll be the greatest revival the church has ever seen. There'll be so many people that are coming to faith. You see them, they're the ones that have been beheaded. 
for the testimony of Jesus and Revelation, a vast crowd. Um, but the main focus of that will be to force the nation Israel into a place where they finally have nothing else to do but to call out for their Messiah. And they recognize him, and then Isaiah 53 will be their prayer. And they'll be looked on him. <coughs> Zechariah also is a, is a great book that you can read uh, about that. John Parker's been doing He just released a commentary on that. No, you're saying that'd be a wonderful time. Mm. With all these little things. Yeah. Well, that's a big topic. <laughs> but that's what we've been looking at, okay? Um, and so that's point number one. Point number two is uh, fear of man. Uh, this is where we were last week. Fear of man keeps many Jews from confessing Jesus. And, and again, I'm trying to be careful with my wording there to consistent with what with how John uses that term Jews to refer to um, uh, that sort of group of leadership at the top of the pile, you might say, on the nation. And that would be verses 42 and 43. Um, so, uh, nevertheless, even uh, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And uh, that is a, a big topic as well. Remember back in chapter 5, uh, Jesus is saying that you, you dishonor me. You dishonor the one who sent me, and you dishonor me effectively. He says, uh, if you, the Father sent me, and, and you dishonor me. You honor him, but you dishonor me, and therefore you really dishonor him. This idea of glory and honor and praise all linked together, right? A glorious is... is the contrast when you see the glory of God and you see his uh, amazing work, how he does things, how he's... I mean, one of the things that really just blows my mind again and again is how, just how effortlessly <laughs> he uses billions of people with all of their choices, which for which they're totally culpable, right? <clears throat> and, 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 and yet, you know, so, and some of them are powerful, have a lot of money and, and, and political intrigues. We're going to see that when we get into the rest of Jesus and his trials and everything. The political intrigues between Pilate and, and the, the Jewish leaders and how they're trying to play each other. It's really, it's really interesting. And Jesus sort of gets, he's, he's kind of the center of gravity around which all of this, you know, power struggle is happening. Uh, but God uses all of that. Uh, even those who are fighting against him, it, and not just humans, but demons as well, right? And, and angelic hosts, and it's just like this massive thing. And then there's the material universe, and he's just, he's just got it. And it's all working out exactly. I mean, you know, so that you see that, and it's like mind-blowing, right? Well, that's the glory of God. And then you, when you see that, you see his worth, you see, and that's where worship comes from. Worship doesn't prepare us for the scriptures. It's the other way around. The scriptures prepare our hearts. We go yes. down deep in the scriptures. We see the glory of God, and then we you, you naturally respond. You either want to run away and cover your sin with darkness and say, well, I don't believe that, or if you, you respond in worship. Right? And and uh, anyway, so um, what, it, what, what the point was here, that these two verses, remember we also looked at Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man is a snare, right? 
Um, and we and, and Proverbs one seven, it's not in your notes. But Proverbs one seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We just contrasted the fear or the praise of people, right? So what you, when you glorify yourself, what you're really doing in, in, in pride is is trying to convince other people of the overestimation of your own value that you have for yourself, right? I, I'm just I'm just all that and bag of chips, and I want you to know that too. That's that's what self glory is, and we, you know, as you when you're when you're a child, the children do that, right? The whole world revolves around me. As they get older, as we get older, we get more refined, we, and we get a little more subtle about it. But we still have our ego walls, and we want to make sure people know our salary or how many you know how many letters of the alphabet come after our name or you know what our title is. You know what I'm saying? All of these things are trophy case. Um, and, and again, not there's a point where we can rejoice in each other's accomplishments, right? If somebody gets a job promoted, hey, we'll rejoice with you, right? We're happy and, and whatever. But the point is, whose praise of you are you seeking, right? And uh, the praise of men is fickle. It's a trap. It looks like it's... it's, it's Great, and, but it'll cause you to do a lot of things that uh, will, will entrap you. And, and um, <sighs> there's a lot to say. Uh, politicians can learn this as well. But what he's, what Proverbs is warning us is that the fear of the Lord is what we should be doing instead, right? At the end of your life, only one opinion or one evaluation of you matters. You get a hold of that. There's so much peace in it, so much peace, right? Because you don't have to try to please everybody. Um, <clears throat> don't go to the other extreme either. Paul Paul tells the Corinthians he says your your opinion of me is of little value. It's not no value at all. I don't care what any of you think. I'm here to please God, right? No, uh, that's that's not good either. But but compared to to what people think, or even your own self evaluation, right? Compared to what God thinks, that's the thing that matters. That's really what matters. But um, we looked at that here. We looked also at um, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, all the way over to chapter 19, where it says that he was a, when he came to Pilate to ask for the body of Jesus, he was a disciple, but secretly for fear of the Jews. Right? <coughs> we saw also that back in chapter 9, the Pharisees had threatened to excommunicate anybody who was a disciple of Jesus, right? So that's what's at stake here. And, and before we're too hard on people like Joseph of Arimathea or Nicodemus, uh, who are two examples that John names uh, of this group, okay? I think there are more, but he names those two particularly. Uh, <coughs> before we're too hard on them, just remember again, the Lord is patient with all of us, right? Larry prayed that. Yeah, appreciate you, appreciate his God is patient, and we gotta be patient with each other. Okay? Let's just remember the Lord isn't done with me. You know, I have my moments and more than I should. So do you. Um, be patient with him and continue to pray for those people that are like that in your life, too. That that you think what the Lord keeps laying on your heart, and you're like, well, that person will never come to Christ. They're so stuck on themselves or they're so rich and satisfied and you don't know you really don't know you don't know what's going on in their hearts they're not heart knowers 
We're not hard knowers. No, that's we right. We think sometimes we're Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I can't tell you how many times I've assigned fault and blame and motives to people that I have no business with. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, so let's continue on uh, then with point number three. As John continues this sort of epilogue, that's kind of what I'm thinking of this as from verse 37 to the end of the chapter, is kind of his epilogue capping off or resummarizing Jesus's ministry, public ministry, okay? And this is particularly where he really gets down to brass tacks in terms of what was the, the distillation of what Jesus is saying here, right? What was the main message that, <clears throat> that Jesus was saying publicly to everyone, okay? And that's where we start in verse 44 to see that. Uh, so Jesus summarizes, this is what I've entitled, this is point number three on our outline. Jesus summarizes phase one of God's plan for dealing with sin. Okay? And I'm trying, I'm, again, <laughs> trying to encapsulate a lot of truth in one sentence there. Maybe I didn't do as well, but every, every word counts there. Um, so what is phase, what do I mean by phase one? Okay, well, let's, let's read, let's read these verses. Maybe we'll have someone, I've been doing a lot of talking here. Uh, somebody start, uh, read verses 44 through 50, and then we'll jump over to chapter five because it's sort of good to review what's, what Jesus says there in chapter five, verses 19 to 29, um, before we tackle this. Somebody read the verses 44. And Jesus cried out and said, he who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. 46. All the way to the end of the chapter. Okay, okay. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me does not receive my sayings as one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Did you get all that? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot here, right? There's a lot here. So let's, let's remind ourselves of what Jesus had already told the leader. And by the way, when is he saying this? I, I don't I don't know. It could be within those four days or so <clears throat> when he presents himself to the father's house, does the final temple cleansing, right? And then there's multiple days there before he's betrayed and crucified, okay? There's about four days in there. It could be during that time, but it also could be a time that, that Jesus has said these things somewhere else, and John is tapping it here to look back. That's actually consistent with how John does a lot of things. He'll, he'll have a, a 
a look back to sort of summarize what's been said. But regardless of, of when, when Jesus actually said this, it does uh, recap again or summarize <clears throat> what he had already told the Jewish leaders back in chapter 5. So this is on your notes there, uh, so you don't have to write it down or anything. But uh, if you hold your finger there in chapter 12, and then go back with me to chapter 5, a few pages to the left, uh, verses 19 through 29. What I want us to see here is, this is why I call it, in this point, uh, I'm saying Jesus summarizes phase one of God's plan, okay? Phase one of God's plan. Well, where did we get that? Well, this is where we got that from, okay? Um, <clears throat> chapter five, <clears throat> the first part of chapter five, Anybody remember without looking? Well, Ronnie points at the What what happens for part of chapter five? One of the miracles. A little bit say. A little bit say. Okay, man was lame for thirty eight years. Yeah. Right. Just when you were gold star. You remember Johnny Erickson Dollar shared the testimony of Johnny Erickson. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Did. Okay. So you're digging that pool out now. Yeah. Fully okay. excavated. Right up here. Anyway, so he comes up and he heals that man, right? And he tells him to take up his campsite. And uh, uh, it's not a, just a simple map. He'd been there for 38 years. Mm -hmm. or been in that condition. He'd been laying there for a long time. And he had a number of things that he was not supposed to be carrying on the Sabbath that he was carrying. And Jesus told him to do it. And, <clears throat> and they confronted him about it. And, and he didn't know who it was. And then he later tells them who it is. And so they can... The text doesn't say directly what the question was, but it seems to be pretty clear that, that the, the Jewish authorities questioned him about what authority he had to tell this man to do that, right? And so Jesus, I mean, never mind the fact that he, he healed just healed <laughs> Right? But that doesn't do it. Wasn't it on the Sabbath? Yes, it was. Yes, yes, right. <clears throat> he healed him on the Sabbath, which itself is a violation. Uh, you weren't supposed to be healing even... Tending people's wounds, believe it or not, on the Sabbath. Anyway, um, and then, but what he tells him to do to carry the what he's carrying is too much. It's work. Though. It's work. Yeah. So he. So point is, verses 20, 19 through uh, twenty nine. Let's just read that together. Walk through that here quickly. Okay. <clears throat> so Jesus said to them, "Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own, but only what he sees the Father doing." For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Okay, so God has this plan. God has a great plan in play, and he has revealed this to the Son. He loves him, and not only has he revealed it to him, but he's given him the starring role, you might say. Okay? And the Father and the Son are working together. In cooperation in this plan. Okay. Verse 20. Uh, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him for that so that you may marvel. I think he's referring to the healing that he had done, plus you know, other signs that he had done earlier. It's going to get even more incredible as time goes on. Okay, verse 21, for as the father raises the dead, 
there we go. Right. right. You think a healing of a a man who was lame for thirty eight years is something? Wait till you hear me talk about Lazarus resurrection. Lazarus, Lazarus, and Jesus himself, and others. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. By the way, uh, Matthew gives us an account too at the resurrection. We're generally Easter, right? Matthew has this really strange verse. The only gospel it does it tells us that there were others who were raised. Yes, there were. Remember that? I studied that. Kind of interesting. I've been studying that recently. So well, that's the way he talked about John the Baptist, the dead raised. It's not like it just happened one time. But it's, it's, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. A bunch of, a bunch of formerly dead people and they're not dead. Hmm. That's pretty amazing. It is amazing. Okay. All right. So let's keep moving. Uh, I don't get lost in the forest here. Whereas. The Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. That's important. Hold on to that, because we just read that as well, that there's a judgment as well. Okay? So that all may what? Honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. You honor a judge, right? Judge comes in the room, all rise. Show honor the judge, all right? And and so whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You know, it, Jesus says this very pointedly to them when they dishonor him, they're dishonoring the God they say they worship. Truly, truly, verse 24, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Okay? That's a, that's permanent. That you don't You don't go back from you don't go from a state of death to a state of life and then back again because you weren't good enough to stay there. That's permanent, right? The, the qualifier, sometimes in John's gospel, it just says life. Okay, other times it says eternal life. But I think when he says eternal life, he wants to, to emphasize the security that a person who has entered that state has, but it really means the same thing in the context. Uh, but he has not come to judgment, he's passed from death to life. Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming. Now watch this. An hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Did you catch that? Okay. Now we've seen this phrase before. I don't want to spend a lot of time with this. But we've seen this phrase before, back in chapter 4, where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and he says to her, an hour is coming, and, and now is, when those who worship, <coughs> worship you know, not in this mountain or in the, in the one to come, right? Uh, not in this temple or in this mountain, okay? I'm, I'm trying to skip over too much. But back in, in chapter 4, we see that same phrase, an hour is coming, and now is, which here in chapter 5, we see it again. And what he's saying is, something has started now that will continue now and in the future. Okay? In a minute, we're going to see another phrase where he says, I, I tell you, an hour is coming, blah, blah, blah. And he uses that phrase in chapter 4, and we see it again in chapter 5. So, what I'm saying is this. When he says here, an hour is coming and now is, that's phase 1. God's plan. In a little bit, he's, we're going to read where he says, an hour is coming when something's going to, something else is going to happen. That's phase two. That's another part of his plan. Okay? Everybody good with that? Okay. 
Verse 25 again. I tell you, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Oh, wait a minute. That means that a selective group of all of those who are in the dead, a selective group will respond. They will live, right? It's just the ones who hear. Do you think he's talking about bodily resurrection? God can only raise some people, those who happen to hear. No, there's something else going on, right? Okay, and if you're not convinced of that, keep reading. <laughs> um, verse 26, for as the Father has life in himself, so he's granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority execute judgment because he is the son of man do not marvel okay do not marvel at this now watch this look at this next phrase verse verse 28 for an hour is coming he doesn't say an hour is coming and now is but he says an hour is coming it's verse 28 when all who when all all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who've done good done evil sorry to the resurrection <coughs> That's phase two. All right, so without confusing you too much, and by the way, this is all summarized in chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, right? And what did we see there? There are two resurrections. There are two resurrections for believers, okay? The first resurrection is what he says is phase one. He says, the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will what? Live. Will live. That's the soul. That's what he calls in chapter 3 with Nicodemus being born again. Okay? They're both metaphors for the same reality of when God puts a new heart in, the, in a believer. He takes your sin nature that you, that, you know, you don't see, you're not... A sinner because you sin, you sin because you're a sinner. You have, and I have, when we're born the first time into this world, a nature, a heart that does not want to submit to God. It wants, it wants to be God. It wants to be God. And it comes in all kinds of forms. It expresses itself in many different ways. And what we call sins, plural, transgressions, are really symptoms of that invisible reality. Right, that, that we have a sin nature. And the law comes and makes it worse. Right? God says, well, you're a sinner. And no, I'm not. Okay, well, let me give you my law. You keep that perfectly, and then we'll talk. Right? Uh, and we don't. We fail. Right? And it proves that the whole point of that is to prove that God's judgment, what he already, like you just said, we're not the heart knowers. God is the heart knower, right? He knows what's in the hearts of people. He knows what our nature is like. And, 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 and so his judgment is that, that, that all are under sin. All have this, you know, even if, if their outward manifestations vary from person to person, some you might say, oh, that person's really evil. Oh, that's a nice moral person. The reality is that all of us share this same state before God. And what Jesus is saying here is phase one is the voice of the Son of Man will come and, and, and he'll speak. And the dead, there's, that's the spiritually dead, will hear, but only a certain group will receive life. But, 
Well, he's going to speak to the dead, but only some will hear. And those who hear will live. Does that make sense? It's the same thing he says in chapter 10, where he says, my sheep, what? My voice. Which, come, which comes first, the hearing or the ownership? <coughs> ownership comes first, right? My sheep. How do you know that, that they're my sheep? Because they hear my voice, right? And the reason you don't hear my voice is you're not my sheep. So this is phase one, you might say, is what I'm calling phase one, of God's plan of redemption. That some are being resurrected uh, in, in, in their soul, you might say. Okay, You have a new nature that's being given, a new heart. But then uh, verse 28 is that phase two, okay? An hour is coming. That's still future. When all who are in the tombs, that's about, you don't put a soul in a tomb. You notice the difference in language between these two, right? You don't put a soul in a tomb. You're dead spiritually, but it's not in the tomb. Okay? But you do put a body in the tomb. Right? So all those who have died physically, both of, of, of believers and non-believers, will hear, will come out. And my wife is surprised. You mean unbelievers have a resurrection? Yeah, unbelievers have a resurrection too. It's just they're coming. Theirs is a resurrection to judgment. <clears throat> Talking about the end times, whenever at the end, right? When we all, the dead in Christ rise and, the, and, and everyone, you either go to the second death or you're, but you're already, I mean, the, you know, you, um, so absent from the body is present with the Lord, you're, and it's just talking about the physical body, right? Right. Okay. The phase one is what happened to us now when we accept the Jesus, we didn't born again. That's the phase one. Phase two, which is still yet to happen, and he's talking about the rapture of our body. Okay. I just want to make sure. Now, he doesn't put a timeline on any of this. Yeah, of course, right. But yeah. And I think I think that, that actually, um, as Paul says, each in his own turn, <clears throat> Jesus is the first fruits. Oh, the first fruit. So he's the first one to receive the new body that is a type for the rest of what the harvest is. We now have a cherry tree, and uh, and whenever it, it's it's just beginning to put out its blossoms, when it goes through its cycle of putting out its blossoms, there's always one or two cherries that are the very first ones there, right? And they're a sample of the rest of the harvest that's to come. What, what kind of cherries am I going to get this year? And, uh, and, and that's, Paul uses that to say that about Jesus. His resurrection is his bodily resurrection. <clears throat> he doesn't need a soul resurrection. Um, but his body is the first fruits, but then others will come in different phases. Some at the at the rapture, others will be later because there are other believers who are saved, I think, in the tribulation. Yeah, like yeah. So so at, 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 at whatever own time. But it does have this interesting phrase in Revelation, which used to puzzle me quite a bit. It says, Blessed are those who have who partake in the first resurrection, right? And I think what he's talking about is this resurrection here. So it doesn't matter, you know, because there are different seem to be different times when saints are, are raised in different places and given their bodies. Um, that's um, that's really secondary. Those who participate in the first resurrection, that is the resurrection of the soul, are the ones who receive eternal life. And then Peter will just comment also. Whoever's going to be at the first resurrection, they will never die. Whoever's going to be at the second resurrection, the wicked people, they're going to have a second death. This is a whole different yeah. subject. I, I want you to present that yeah. here. It's no, really just right. second death, yeah. Two well, births. Two births and two deaths, yeah. What about, the, two what, deaths. what about those uh, that Paul mentions over in uh, Thessalonians when he comes? 
comes back, the dead in Christ will be raised first. Is that part of I this? think that's the snatching up of the, the rapture. That's us as a feast. So the, so the dead in Christ, which will be the believers, will be raised first. And then those that are that remain will be raised immediately after. Transformed, changed. If, if rapture will happen today, so whoever is dead, they will raise first, and you and you are going to be a second. We'll join them in the, in, in the air. That's phase two, the power of righteous people. That's the There's going to be a resurrection for the wicked people, but it's going to yeah. be at the end of the tribulation. Yeah. yeah. They'll, get, they'll get a body suited for okay. where they're going for judgment. Um, so the point of, let's, let's go back to chapter 12. There's, y'all, there's a ton. We, we could spend... <laughs> A long time talking about this, and I'm happy to do it. I'm just um, really hoping that we can move on to chapter 13 sometime because it's really good, good stuff. It's really good. Um, let's go back to chapter 12 now. With with that fresh on our minds, okay. Let's read this again. Let's slow down just a little bit. Chapter 12, verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, "Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in Him who sent me. Who's that? The Father." The Father. Right? We know that from what we just read. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. In, in just a few chapters, he's going to say almost the same thing to Philip. You know, Philip's going to say in chapter 14, show us the Father, right? And, and Jesus says, Philip, have I been with you so long? Right? Same thing, right? So this confirms, Paul puts it this way in Colossians, right? That Jesus is the the exact representation is the, is the image of God, right? We're not to create an image of God. Um, that's expressly forbidden. Um, because God already has the image, right, if you will. That's Jesus. Everything the Father wants us to know about himself, we can see in his Son. And we get to know the Father through the Son. I have come and uh, whoever sees me sees him who sent me. Jesus does not draw a distinction there, does he? Uh, verse 46, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. <clears throat> Born into darkness. Again, back to chapter 3, right? Uh, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. But those who reject remain in darkness, right? Men love darkness rather than light and won't come to the light, right? Why? Because, again, all of our lies, our rationality, all of the excuses that we make to cover our sin, we like that. We love our sin. We love our sin. Um, and so, that, by the way, that's something to think about when you're presenting the gospel. Jesus died for your sins. Well, I like my sins. Why do I want to go away? Jesus died to save you from God's wrath. That has some power to it, punch to it. And that's really what we need to do. That's what is being emphasized in chapter 5 and here too as well, right? Is that you you um, are being saved from condemnation, from judgment, from the consequences of your sin if you come to Christ. So that whoever remains in me, or believes in me, will not remain in darkness, which means that we were in darkness at one time, right? Mm -hmm. But we're called out of darkness into his light, there's two ways to deal with that sin problem, right? We, tr we try to turn the light out, right? We try to shut the truth down. I don't want to hear about it, you know? And, and like I said, 
lies and rationalization and all kinds of you know religions out there to excuse well I can yeah I have some sin but I can make up for that you know and and all of these things it's like turning the light out in a in a room that's a mess and you just don't want to deal with it so you just turn the light out and close the door and it's more right that's effectively what we do in darkness the other is to turn on the light and deal with it see it for what it is realize I need help with this and come in faith to him to take care of that problem verse 47 if anyone hears my words and does not keep them I do not judge him oh that's interesting for if I did for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world okay remember this this term world means the system right this is anybody in this system who uh, hears his words and rejects him he's not here in phase one to judge we just read that in chapter five right that the hour has come and now is when we're in this phase one of calling people to this message of repentance and faith, recognizing the truth about my situation and coming to god for a solution right that's phase one that's what he's doing. He says, all those who hear that receive life and believe, right? But the ones who, who hear, or you might say they hear it, but they don't really hear it, you know? They, 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 the message is presented to them, the light is shining, but they, they refuse to, to see it, and they want to turn the light off or push it aside. They don't have ears to hear. They don't have ears to hear. Um, he says, I, I do not judge them right now. Oh, okay, well, phew, boy, no judgment there. Right? Now keep reading. Verse 48. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words as a judge. The word that I've spoken will judge him on the last day. And who did Jesus say in chapter 5 was going to be that judge? Huh? Himself. Go back and reread that because he says the Father judges no one. He's turned all judgment over to the Son. You go to your judge now for salvation for them. That's what's happening. Right? That's the essence of, of this gospel. Isn't that something? Right? So but, Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is our advocate. But he's also going to be the one who is one day the judge. He's going to be the one who's one day the judge. As well. But that's for later. That's phase two, you might say. Um but notice this, that they are responsible for this word that I have spoken, right? And remember, he has already told us this word doesn't come from me. It comes from the Father, right? So keep reading. This is verse 49 now. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me himself has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. So this message that Jesus has been giving, this message, this is the closure of his public ministry, right, to the nation. This message that he has been giving them the whole time has come from the Father, and they are responsible for it. You see that? You, if they don't respond to it, they will be judged for it and by that at some point. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me give me this commandment. Jesus came in perfect obedience to the Father. 
we lose sight of that. You know, we get, I don't mean to, please don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. The Lord is, is everything. We make much of him, okay? But we forget that he and the Father are working together. And remember, it's the Father who seeks worshipers who worship him, the spirit and truth, right? And Jesus is the one who came, in a sense, to tell us this message. Those who hear will live, and we will follow him out of whatever respective flocks we are in, right? The folds that we're in, out of the world system. We come to him. We have one shepherd, one flock, one shepherd. We're going to see in chapter uh, 14 that I am the way, the truth, and life. What? No one comes to the what? Father, but to man. He is leading us out of this world to the Father. Where are you going as a Christian? Where is your Where is God taking you? Where is the Lord taking you? Taking you to the Father. And we will, as Dad says, share an address with Him. Tell the same address. That's pretty amazing. What I what I say, um, verse fifty now, last verse. And I know what his that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Notice the emphasis. He keeps pounding that point home that this message that sounds so strange to your ears, even to his own disciples, right? Even his own closest um, followers didn't understand. We've been seeing that a lot, right? And, and looking at, at how they they knew he was Messiah, but they. What are you talking about, right? And, and then, of course, all the, the you know, what we looked at uh, uh, in Romans 11, 9 through 11, uh, all the New Testament scriptures, everything that the apostles then and their associates later came to understand and write down in the, old, in the New Testament is all part of a fuller explanation of, of understanding what God the Father is doing in partnership with and through his son, right? Uh, and so all of this idea of a pause of the nation for a while while he opens this invitation to the Gentiles and, and church age and all of that is all part of God's plan. All part of God's plan. Goes back to answer John's question or, or dilemma that he posed, wow. how can the nation miss it, Right? It's because God the Father has a larger plan in play than just what he's doing with the nation Israel. He's got, he's got all these people everywhere. Remember, again, chapter 10, I have sheep in other folds. They also will come to me, right? And we're going to see in chapter 17 where Jesus prays for those who will believe on him through the apostles' testimony, right? And who's that? You and me. Jesus prays for you in the gospel. John, it's awesome. I love it. That's exciting. So, all right, there we go. Any thoughts as we? Uh... Actually, the excellent presentation. I always was confused between the verses forty-seven and forty-eight, where he's talking, "I'm not going to judge," and the next verse he said, "I will judge." And you made it clear to me finally. Thank you very much. That it's uh, Jesus' plans was have to be divided in two phases: phase one and phase two. So when he talks in 47 that if you don't hear me, I'm not going to judge, he's talking about the phase one. Right. And the next verse is phase two. Thank you very much. It finally became clear to me. I was confused between these two. Chapter five, unfortunately, is probably the most, the least um, appreciated 
That's a good book. The least appreciated chapter in John's Gospel, but it's so critical to understanding the rest of John. And it all builds. Good, excellent. Thank God for what He's doing. Amazing. Oh my God! I just, I just cannot wait until He comes. I'm just praying every day. Please come soon. Yes. Amen. The more I see of this world, the more it makes me hungry for the next one. The more I see of my own families too. Heavenly Father, we're just again stand amazed uh, at your your glory. And we thank you for this grand plan of redemption and judgment of how you're going to deal, how you deal with sin. <clears throat> Some people are being called into eternal life. You have paid the price. Uh, you have um, also imparted life. We can't have our sins atoned and then enter into eternity with our hearts in the same condition. <clears throat> Or we'll continue to sin. But you have taken care of all of that. The penalty for the sins in this life and the root cause of it in the next. And we thank you that you have done this for your glory. And uh, Father, our, our hearts, while we're amazed at our own salvation, our hearts ache for those who still don't hear your voice. And so we would just pray, beg and plead with you for them. Lord. And whatever I had a good chance yesterday talking to our daughters and, and uh, we just pray for for these uh, people who who are dear to us who have yet to hear your voice. They don't understand. They don't they think we're really weird uh, or whatever. But we just pray for them. Pray that you would extend grace to this country and even to our world as we're waiting for completion of this plan. I pray your blessing on the service this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you.